Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome to day two. It has already been said. So yesterday we started looking at the ashes of the sacrifice. Ashes. Ashes. Remember we said that the ashes represent the righteousness of God. And which is the finished work of Christ. And then I got into a scripture. And I told you, remember, in the book of Romans chapter 8, said that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And that is a picture of the, of the ashes of Christ. Praise the Lord. This evening, I'm here to continue from where I left off. But I'd like to talk about a slightly different uh, aspect of Christ. Praise the Lord. But it's still in line though. In fact, today I want to go on and talk about perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Praise the Lord. Perfect righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Understand that these things that we teach, they make a man. When you understand them, they mold you, they make you. If you find a group of people who don't like teaching, it means that they've accepted that they'll never grow. To be taught is to be nurtured. Praise the Lord. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You remember, uh, we spoke about the ashes. When you lay your hands on the animal, there is two things that there are two things that happen. You remember, I said number one is imputation. The second is what? Identification. So look at what happened. By this scripture, that same uh, scenario plays out. For he hath made him to be sin. Now when they say he became sin, not that he became a sinner, but he became the very object, if not act, entity, the curse, the disgrace, the start and the end of what sin is. So he became sin. He didn't become sinful. He became sin itself. Now we go on to say that as much as he became sin, it did not remain there. He said, who knew no sin? So he had no sin in him, yet he became sin. Then he said that, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, so that same work of ashes has been transferred. What he was not, he became. So that what we were not, we, we, we can also become. Have you seen that exchange there? That is in the book of Romans. Uh, Second Corinthians, sorry. Now, you should understand that yesterday's righteousness, which we spoke about even though it was a picture of Christ, it was a limited righteousness. I always teach this, this and I'll say it again, that there is no way the blood of animals can atone properly for the sins of a man. It requires a man to die in the place of a man, not an animal. So if you pour animal blood on the ground, you have not poured an adequate blood or a blood that is powerful enough to handle your issues. You remember? Good. So God wanted people who were righteous and were perfect in righteousness but couldn't find them. And I'm here to bring you certain news. Praise the Lord. The amazing thing is that Abraham was not adequately righteous. 
problem was that David was not precisely righteous. And yet God called him a man after my own heart. What about Daniel? What about Joseph? What about the people of old? All the people that God said, and he was a devout man, he was a holy man, he was a righteous man. Their righteousness had an aspect of shortcoming, even though they were regarded by God as righteous. Now, this kind of righteous righteousness that God was looking for couldn't have been satisfied through the means by which they acquired their righteousness. It was designed by God to only bring them in. That's why the Bible says that not only with us will they be able to enjoy the full righteousness that Christ brings to us. Praise the Lord. So the righteousness that the Lord was looking for was a high level righteousness and was not attainable through the means by which they were being made righteous. So even though the people of old were called righteous, <laughs> to be frank, they were not. The Bible, however, calls them righteousness anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because that righteousness, like I said, was not in the absolute sense. And God wanted to bring people into the absolute sense of righteousness. So what did he do? He brought men to understand that there is none righteous. No, not one. Now, because of the foundation I've laid, that your righteousness comes by imputation and identification, it means that as a human being who has sinned, it requires that another human being dies in your place or you die for yourself. But when you die for yourself, you are no more. You are finished because you are dead. So, and the, the agenda of God was not to kill you who have sinned. Because remember the drama of the ages. If you are killed, what it means is that the love which God truly claims he loves you is not that adequate love. So the way by which he showed love in this term was through the legal standing of righteousness. So understand, God began to deal with us on the basis of righteousness by law. So just as we started with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we see that there's another scripture which I would like to give you. Which is this. Romans chapter 4, from verse 22, 20, Romans 4, 22 to 24. What does he say? And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now we are talking about Abraham, right? It was imputed to him for righteousness. Next verse. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. To properly put it, it was not, it was not written for his sake. Because his righteousness was not proper righteousness. That it was imputed to him. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Now understand, the imputation of the righteousness that happened in the days of Abraham, David and co, Moses and co, was the imputation of an animal. But the imputation of righteousness that happened in our day was the imputation of Christ himself. 
Do you get the difference? So we stand on a better platform to receive from God. Is it but to us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead? Now there are several things that we can see here. This imputation we are talking about talks about it's an accounting term. It is it is the word to credit. It's an accounting term to credit. So when we say it has been imputed into your account, what it means is that spiritually you have a bank account. But in that bank account, you are regarded as a sinner. So in order for God to make you righteous, he goes into your spiritual bank accounts and deposits righteousness in there for you. So that that spiritual bank account you have will be the evidence in the realms of the spirit that you are righteous. Notice yesterday I told you, God is not looking for holy men. If not, he, because holiness is based on the actions of men, do's and don'ts. But righteousness is more powerful. Why? Because whether do's or don'ts, you are still found to be righteous in this sense. Your actions or inactions do not determine a man's righteousness. It is the belief of a man that determines his righteousness. Now I'm coming there. Can you imagine that with all that has happened to Jesus on the cross, yesterday we saw it, the ashes, they put him outside of the city, they put him on the cross, they nailed him there, he died on the cross. God said, <clears throat> excuse me, bring the ashes, keep it here, let it be a reminder to you that this is an irreversible righteousness. Anytime you look at the ashes, you remind yourself that Jesus died in your place. So if he died in my place, then it means that I cannot ever ever i cannot ever ever carry my own sins anymore because there is one who died in my place and i said this word imputed is an accounting word it means to to put something into your bank account praise the lord there's another scripture i like to give romans 5 17 i've been quoting this all, all the time for if by one man's offense death For if by one man's offense, that reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. So notice, righteousness is a gift. That is why it can be deposited into your spiritual bank account. It can be imputed. And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. There's a whole sermon on reigning through righteousness. We'll come there one day. Praise the Lord. But I want you to know today that there is something deposited into your bank account spiritually. It is called the imputation of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Another scripture, Romans 3.21. Romans 3.21. Let's look at it quickly so we can go into the meat of today's message. <clears throat> Amazingly, I'm still in the introduction stages. By now, sorry, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets so he says that there's a righteousness that can be revealed and it is being witnessed by the law and the prophets what is the law and the prophet the law is the first five books of moses written in the bible okay and the prophets are the rest of the prophets all the other things the prophets said praise the lord 
He said, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Which is how? Christ Jesus. The way he appeared to us shows us something. That there is a righteousness that God has revealed. It is not by the law and it is not through the means of the prophets. So the prophets and are standing. So scriptures become human beings. Figuratively, they are standing and observing the works of Christ. The law becomes a human being. He's standing and observing the works of Christ. And let's, let's, let's notice carefully. He says the law and the prophets. Why the law and the prophet? The law represents Moses and the prophet represents Elijah. Do you understand? So he says at this time, Elijah and Moses stand and they observe the work of Christ. No wonder on the Mount of Transfiguration, two people appeared to him, Moses and Elijah. What did they do? They came to hand over authority of righteousness to Christ. What it means is that if, if formerly people used to become righteous by the law, the law doesn't stand there anymore. He has handed over power. The same way, if you had to live by the prophets to know that you are righteous, it has been handed over to Christ. So now Christ is the totality of what righteousness means. Praise the Lord. So when this righteousness is given to you, you become like Christ, Christ in the sight of God. Give me the last scripture we read so that I can point out this thing to us. For by one man's offense, that, that reigned by one, much more that which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. This gift of righteousness comes from Christ and it is given to you. Say, I have the gift of righteousness. It was given to me by Christ. Please, do you work for a gift? If you have to work for a gift, change it. It is no more a gift. It is a... A gift must be free. A gift must be what? So, come and sweep my room and I'll give you a gift. Is the father's way of telling the son, work for me, I'll pay you. Praise the Lord. Do, do you understand it? Uh -huh. So, he said, it is a gift and it comes from Christ. Let's move on. Now, but some people don't like this gift because they don't know how to operate in it. Why? Anytime you set aside the gift of righteousness which Christ has offered and you begin to try your own ways and means to become right before God, it is called self-righteousness. Are you listening to me? Anytime, because you see, to please God does not depend on you. Anytime pleasing God depends on you, you are not pleasing God. Why are you worried about things you cannot control? That's why several times people come to us and say, relax. Have you eaten today? They say, no, I say, eat well and sleep. Do you know what I'm trying to do? I'm pushing you out of anxiety. Don't put the pressure on your life. You cannot handle it. There is one who handles it thoroughly. Praise the Lord. So, when you don't want to rely on this gift of righteousness that has been credited to your account, imputed to your account, what you do is that now you assume the position of self-righteousness. You want to do it yourself. And notice, anytime you try so hard and God does not see you, you become offended. It's like a wife who has tried hard for the husband, cooked a special dish, only for the guy to come and do, mm, 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 I don't like it. Literally, that is what that is what God will do with your righteousness. In fact, the Bible says that in the book of Romans 3, it said, 
There is no one righteous. No, not one. So the day we begin to look at our own righteousness for God to, to accept us, that is the day we make the mistake. It is required that we live by the gift of righteousness. Apparently, uh, it occurs to me that everything in the kingdom must be a gift. Salvation is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. His ability in you is a gift. So how come one has got the ability to teach, yet the prophet envies the teacher? It is a gift. Self-righteousness. Praise the Lord. Praise. Are we getting it? Yes. Self-righteousness is when God accepts you for what, for who you are, and yet you want him to accept you for what you are doing. Now, we should understand that we must throw away self-righteousness because the righteousness or the justice of God demands that he does not like 99% righteousness. He wants 100% righteousness. And that one, nobody can, can acquire it. No one. No one can acquire it. Praise the Lord. So we see that the way by which righteousness comes is a gift. Say, I have been gifted with righteousness. It is my spirit. It has been imputed into me. I have it and I enjoy it. So the Bible tells me that I will reign in life by this gift of righteousness. So therefore, in my family, I reign. In my business, I reign. In my going out, I see victories. My coming in, I bring blessings. So booties follow me. Spoils of war follow me. I don't fight for them. My savior fought for me. I only gather them. Even that one, he pushes them towards me. So I only pick them to enjoy. Say the goodness of righteousness opens massive, massive doors before me. And I enjoy every one of them. So no door is shut. Because righteousness demands. The righteousness of God demands. And no man can deny it. Wow. 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 Praise the Lord. So, an aspect of God's righteousness is depicted in, in the, some of the offerings that we saw yesterday. Yesterday, I told you there are five major offerings in the Bible, remember, which the Lord himself stipulated. Number one, he said there should be what? Peace offerings. I spoke about peace offering. I said it's a sweet smelling offering, the burnt offering, and the what? And the green offering. And I said, the one that does not smell good, which you add the dung and you burn outside, is called the what? Sin offering. And the what? Trespass offering. Hey, clap for yourselves. Clap for yourselves. Praise the Lord. Now, today, we are going to learn about the grain offering. Why the grain offering? Because the grain offering speaks of the righteousness of God. And don't forget, I told you that there are things that Christ alone did that brought the fragrance of God's goodness out. Whatever you do on your own, it is done. But whatever Christ does is true perfume, holiness, joy, and righteousness. Praise the Lord. Leviticus chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 3. Are, are we ready? Yes. We've sparked the gear. So right now I've started my message. Leviticus 2 from verse 1 to verse 3. 
and when any will offer a meat offering this meat offering can also be called a cereal offering in other versions or the grain offering unto the lord his offering shall be of fine flour and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon mm -hmm. and he shall bring it to aaron's sons the priest and he shall take the the out his handful okay of the flour where am i and he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereof his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, okay, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire for a what sweet savor unto the Lord. So I said, This is a perfumed offering. It's a perfumed offering isn't it beautiful that anytime you try to do something you are bringing bola to god people don't understand bola something that smells something that is not needed the only time that your righteousness becomes true righteousness is when you recognize the perfume righteousness of god so can we begin to enter the scriptures now let's begin to break the scripture down He said, offer grain offering to the Lord. What is this offering? Now understand, this offering is not the offering of death. This is the offering of his life, his righteousness, his purity, and his person. Now this is what it means. So Jesus offered himself. Notice he said, when you bring the, the meal offering or the grain offering, he said, you bring it, fetch a handful and pour it, pour it in the fire. Pour the oil and add the frankincense. Now listen carefully. The fine flour in Hebrew is the word soleth. Soleth. It means to strip. And listen to me. It means to strip. It means to beat into evenness. To beat into powder. <laughs> Without speck or unevenness. Now understand what this one says. The flood, the handful of flood talks about the life of Christ, the beating of Christ. But this one is beaten in a special way, not the way that the people slap him on the street and they spat on him. It's different. This one has to do with the soul. Praise the Lord. You see, by the time we are done tonight, you will know that he did not only die for your body, he died for your soul. And he died for your spirit. So Jesus did not save some of you and leave some for you to handle. He handled all of them on every level. Praise the Lord. Good. So let's move on. Now, before flour is gotten, you take the wheat, right? You beat it. And notice, the beating of the flour, they do it, those days they pound it. Okay? So they pound it. When it becomes very smooth then they dry it when this is done drying they will bring it back they pound it three times you see god said bring fine flour he didn't just say flour i know about flour a little bit because of my wife i said yes i said but this flour is already smooth she said no there are some impurities in it you can't see with your eyes so i still have to sieve it 
What does it? You understand? So the fly is a representation of Christ, the torture of Christ, the fine torture of Christ. He was beaten so much that he became like flour. Let's move on. And this flour, which was beaten till it became smooth, and you see, anytime flour is beaten till it becomes smooth, the thing you get, it doesn't matter the color it started from, it becomes white. So it speaks of his holiness. It speaks of they beat him, beat him, but they couldn't get anything out of him. Let's look at First Peter. Okay. First Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Quickly. This scripture talks about it. And let's look at it. First Peter 1, 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb, without what, without what, and without. So what it means is that it's so fine abandoning. It is not uneven. It is evenly distributed everywhere. Praise the Lord. So when you still read this sec, uh, Leviticus chapter two, from verse one to verse three, apart from the flood that he said you should fetch, then he say add something to it, oil. What does oil speak? Olive oil. The word olive oil actually in this place is the word shemen. And it's a beautiful meaning. Number one, it means oil. Because it's oil. And it means fat. So it means riches. But amazingly, it means a man in his 30s. Hey. What does it mean? Jesus died at the time of his richest life. He didn't die an old man. He didn't die a weakly. He didn't die a baby. What does that mean? Based on this revelation, you can tell poverty. The scripture says that my Lord died when he was supposed to be rich so that my poverty can be exchanged with his riches. You see scripture, but you must be taught to use it. And these are times that you can use it. You have to speak to your situation and tell your situation. My Lord did not die an old man and he didn't die a pauper. My Lord did not die a small boy when he didn't have money to buy anything. He died in his 30s. Where he was young, he was vibrant. He still had oil in him and he was rich. Praise the Lord. So Jesus himself offered his youthfulness. And then the next thing that he gives, he says frankincense. Frankincense and you're beautiful. Please give me the, the picture. The word frankincense in Hebrew is the word labona. Labona. It's a white sticky gel which comes from the back of a tree. And it's, it, they add it to perfumes. It's regarded as holiness or clean. Because when it drips, it comes white. Have you seen it? Have you seen the man peeling it off? Give me the other picture, then we come back to this one again. So they can see it well. It talks about beauty of his presence. It talks about holiness. Have you seen it? So this is the tree, okay? Okay, so this is the frankincense. How do they get the frankincense? The man would deliberately go to the tree, cut the back of the tree, and then there will be these juice that will begin to, it's a gel-like thing. Some of you have never seen before, I bet you. 
the way you are looking at me is like, so what are you talking about? Yes. If you don't believe, have you seen a mango tree? When you cut a mango tree, the side, when you peel the back, you see that some juice come out. Yes. The proper name is raisins. Okay, good. Now, that raisins, no. This one is called the frankincense because it's gotten from a specific tree. Now, the tree itself always grows through rocks. What does that mean? It doesn't matter the obstacle that Jesus was supposed to face. He still came through the rock for you. Praise the Lord. And amazingly, you cannot see two of these trees standing by each other. No. When you see one tree here, you have to walk miles to see one. What does it mean? It's a picture of Christ standing alone. It doesn't matter the harsh conditions you find it. And this tree, where we get the frankincense, is only found in the desert. Nowhere else. So it is not in the cool situation that Jesus died for us. No. It was in the difficult, the tightest, the most hard time of a man's life. That is when Jesus died for us. Praise the Lord. I will learn something. So now I'm talking about this frankincense, remember? And I said they have to deliberately go and cut the back of the tree. Then the gel-like substance will begin to sift. When it comes out, they don't take it when it is fresh. They wait for it to harden and dry up. Then they take it off and then they... You see, when you fetch the handful of the flour, you put it in the fire, then you pour your oil, then you add the frankincense. It becomes a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. Praise the Lord. And this one, what it represents is this. This represents... You see, it is white. Have you seen it is white? This is where he says that even though they spoke against him, he did not speak back. Even though they insulted him, he did not insult back. They did bad things to him, but he didn't talk. He was quiet. It was in that season where they were doing bad things to him because the, the farmer must cut the tree. The tree will bleed. It is the bleeding of the tree. That is what we call the frankincense or the, the raisins. And with that one coming out, it is proof of your righteousness. Now listen to me. Your righteousness and your holiness does not come from you. It comes from the hurt, the pain, and the sufferings of Christ. Because that is in the standard and eyes of God. That is proper righteousness. The day you have to go through this pain, it is filthy. God does not accept it. True righteousness comes from only one man, perfected man, Christ Jesus. That whilst his body is in pain, and that amazingly, they call this one the tear. <laughs> yes. So when the tree begins to cry, they call it the tear. So whilst it is coming, and you are harvesting it, and we are burning it, and it smells good, it's a picture of you enjoying the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, this, this frankincense, I've got a lot I want to say, but because I also have a lot to say, I will jump from here and go to where I have to go to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, he says they should use a handful. What does a handful mean? That's why I said it speaks of his soul. It was not his whole body. It was a handful. Praise the Lord. Then he says, you shouldn't add yeast or living. When you read from verse 1, second, sorry, Leviticus chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 3, he said, don't add yeast. Do you remember? What does yeast represent? It represents fakery. Not real. I mean, how can you go and buy bread? Ten Ghana. But when you press it, it comes back to your original flour size. <laughs> hey, mama. They say the bread is 15 CD. But when you stand it, it's like this. 
But when you press it, then you see that uh, this is the proper level of the bread. Proper level be this. What is that? God does not like motromojo. God does not like fake people. God does not like fake things. What does he mean? If you are white, come to God as white. If you are blue, show me the blue I do. I do, I'm, you can't come to God lying to God. I mean, he sees all things and he knows all things. So, so bring yourself as you are. What I'm trying to tell you is this. You see the way you do makeup when you're going out Friday nights. You know? When you're coming to church, do the same. <laughs> My people, you see, if listen, listen to something quickly, then I can move on. If what you do to live your comfortable life outside is not suitable for the church, then you are living your fake person. I mean, are you listening to me? The man that knows the hair in your nose, you don't know the number of hair in your nose. You don't know. You don't know. He knows the number of hair in your nose. The way you are going out, you dress beautifully. The way you know you want to feel comfortable, you dress that way and go. But when it comes to coming to the house of the Lord, then you do sucker too, then you appear here. Oh, we are coming to church. Sister Holy, Brother Holy, fakery. Fakery. Also, the word living or the word living is the same word for yeast, okay? So anytime you see living in the Bible, it's talking about yeast. That's why I say you add it to the bread, it becomes but it's not the original size. The word yeast also represents hypocrisy. We are hypocrites. You are known as this, but before we notice it, then this one comes up. The Lord hates people. He said, Do not add yeast to the offering. In other words, when you look at the, the life of Christ, there was no fakery with Christ. There was no hypocrisy with him. There was no mutro mojo, maybe, maybe situation with Christ. No. His A was A and his B was B. Listen, church. Live free. Jesus knows you, the real you. You are afraid that we will judge you. And that's why you hide at home. The way you, we are coming, you put on something that we will accept. Thank God. Most of the time when I stand before people, I see them. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are we learning? Now, still, we're on the grain offering. Let's move to verse 2 of Leviticus chapter 2, verse 2 to verse 7. <laughs> Your righteousness is not of you, so you cannot do anything to maintain it in our sight. We are not the ones who bless you. Listen, even if we say, hey, sister, wait, she's good, or she's right, or she's happy, or she's this, 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 at the end of the day, we are not the blessers or the blesser. No man is the blesser. It's God who is the blesser. And so you better stand right before the one who blesses. Not the people who also are looking for the blessing. Praise the Lord. Fans, who the From verse 4. Verse 4 to verse 7. Verse 4. Are we learning tonight? Okay, let's move on. And if thou bring an oblation of meat offering... Baking now understand is an oblation. What it means is that it is your gratitude offering. Okay, when you bring this kind of meat offering, baking in oven. Now notice carefully. Now it has moved from a place where you used to fetch the flour with your hand. Now he says you have baked it at home. Listen, he said baking in oven. It shall be unleavened. Again, don't add hypocrisy. 
unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil <clears throat> excuse me and if thy oblation be of be a meat offering baked in a pan now notice the graduation first one he said baked in oven second one he said baked in the pan it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon it is a meat offering uh -huh. verse 6 did i finish verse 6 and thou shalt part it okay yes i finish it verse 7 and if thy oblation be a meat offering baked in a frying pan so notice from oven you come to a pan that he says frying pan baked in a frying pan it shall be it shall be made of fine flour with oil praise the lord now these three places where he said you should prepare the food what he means is that you bake it the women bake it at home they put it in the pan at home and they put it in the frying pan prepare it at home before they bring it it speaks of the three degrees of sufferings of christ praise the lord have you seen it so we are going to go through each one of them step by step we're going to look at oven we'll look at pan then we enter frying pan now the amazing thing about oven is that in the oven when he's being when the bread is being baked then don't forget jesus said in the book of john he said i am the bread of life so whilst the women were baking the bread in their houses they didn't know that they were baking it was a typology of christ they were baking christ they didn't know oh you're me. And the amazing thing is that when they bake the bread, notice, that is why I said it is the suffering of his soul. It is not the suffering of his whole body because it was a sweet-smelling offering. That is why they bring, when they bring it, the high priest will put some in fire that he himself will chop some. Why? Because God is the one enjoying the offering. So the high priest represents Christ at that place. He does not offer the whole of himself. It is his soul that he offers. Praise the Lord now i said the oven is completely covered it means that there was three levels of suffering that jesus went through one he went he went through the suffering in secret that nobody knew about it was only recorded in scripture by revelation okay that is number one number two uh, the frying pan the frying pan in those days is covered halfway so what it means is that it's not everybody who saw the sufferings of christ but the disciples saw it and then the last part is when the whole nation of Israel had the chance. If you wanted to see, you could see. Praise the Lord. So can we go in there? So these are the sufferings of Christ. Uh, and let's see. And or the meal, the, the meal or the grain offering. This talking this also talks about the sufferings of Christ. Now don't forget that I told you that of all the five offerings, three are they smell good, and then Two don't smell good, right? Because two held outside the camp, but three inside the camp on the altar. Now notice something. Of all of them, only this one is sweet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now let's talk about the oven. The first place that Jesus was suffered that nobody saw was when he was tormented or tempted by the devil. Praise the Lord. Uh, remember, let's look at Matthew chapter 4 from verse 1 to verse. Let's just read 1 and 2. Then we'll jump to verse 11. Praise the Lord. 
Matthew chapter 1, chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse, verse 2. Look at it. Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Who led him there? Who led him? So specifically, we see that it is God leading God to go and suffer. Please, after God has led God to go and suffer for you, don't suffer for yourself. It is useless. You get what is happening? After God has led God to suffer for you, if you continue to suffer on your own, it is useless. You are just worrying your life. So, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit led him there so that the devil would tempt him. And it was in secret. Next verse. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards and hungered. Next is a comma bar. He was very, very hungry. Jump to verse 11. I cannot do You know the, your story. If you are the son of God, do this. You are the, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Have you seen what is happening? So, we see that he was so tired in his soul, he needed angels to come and minister to him. What he went through was not easy. Please don't take it for granted. Now, this kind of oven talks about a secret kind of pain that he went through. And it was only him. Please, I want to submit to you. There are times eh, when the devil corners only you into that private place where you, you have problems you cannot tell anyone. It is because he wants to defeat you alone. He knows that you alone, you are nobody. Simply put, simply put, he suffered in the secret so that you can rejoice in the open. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm talking about the oven, right? The second time that he, he suffered in the oven-like kind of suffering is in Luke chapter 22 from verse 41 to 45. Luke 22, 41 to 45. <clears throat> this was when he was in Gethsemane. You remember? Then he was withdrawn from them about a stone cast and knelt down and prayed. Mm -hmm. Saying, Father. Now, by the way, this was the first time Jesus ever called him Father. From every time in scripture, he always called him, My God. My, my God. My God. My God. But at this, at this time, he said, Father, if thou be willing, it's an ordinary tense ye. Let's talk about this again. As though we didn't talk about it from eternity. It's like at this point, even though we've agreed, you let's just revisit. Her adventure, you will change your mind. Hey! <laughs> Say, Father, you see, the oven like the oven like kind of pressure, a lot of people don't know. Now, let me show you something. It is like you are going through a challenging time and nobody in your family, no, no one around you even knows what you are going through. And that is the kind of pressure Jesus went through. It is called the oven-like kind of suffering. When you go through that, please, fall on God. He has experience. He knows what it means to go through that kind of life. Talk to him and he will help you. Hallelujah. Say, Father, if, be, if, if 
thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Listen, a second time an angel appears to him to strengthen him. What does that mean? <laughs> it is a challenging thing. Listen, you may not know what I'm talking about. Remember there was a time I said that in my life, the whole heavens were, were like dark. I didn't know when the sun came out. And I didn't know when the sun set. It was a season. So I didn't know. I was just believing God and living. I said, the Lord will do it. The Lord will do it. Sometimes people will say, let's go and chill. I can't see the chilling in the chilling. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm telling you the truth. Because why? There's sometimes, there are times where you go through the oven-like experience. It's only you going through. You cannot tell a husband. You cannot tell a wife. Sometimes you cannot even tell a mother. Sometimes your pastor, you, you, you tell your pastor, tell your pastor will not understand. Tell your pastor you understand. He will. He will. Every true pastor has gone through these three experiences. So when you are going through issues alone and you think you can handle it alone, fine. But God is ready. 44. And being in agony, prayed more earnestly. In fact, I think the remedy is here. One of them. When you go through certain issues and you cannot tell anyone, that is where you press in prayer. In agony, you press in prayer. And, he, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood. Hey, falling down to the ground. Do you understand? It is oven. It reminds me when my wife is baking the chicken. Review a whole revelation. Sometimes I peep through the oven and the chicken is sweating. And there's drops coming from the chicken. I say, Wow. I say, Wow. The chicken is sweating blood. <laughs> they say Sunday, man, people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you see, because it is oven-like, and one of the things oven does, it will drain the water in you. It will drain pressure. Next verse. And when he arose from prayer and came to his disciples, what happened to them? He found them sleeping. For what? <laughs> Listen, in the oven, you don't expect men to be with you. And Jesus went through the oven-like kind of pressure alone. And I said, the oven is covered. It's sealed completely. That is how you cook in an oven. And I've given you two scriptures. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is settled. So we know that what I'm saying is true. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It was at this place that it was truly called the bread of life. Because he was baked. Proper baking. Can we go to the pan? Now the pan is an open pan. And this is what we call crepe. Or we call pancake. So Jesus was like a If there is a food in the event, baby bread, no. Peter bread. Praise the Lord. You people eat shawarma, but you don't know. You see the shawarma, the bread. The covering. Yes, it is Christ. Oh yes, it's a symbol of Christ. Truly. Praise the Lord. More shawarma. 
Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you can never be bored in Greece Army Church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we learning? Yes. Are we learning something? So let's look at something that happens here. Then as we move on, we see what is happening here. So he says, pan. Now the pan was an open one. The pan is not covered. The pan, I said, the oven is fully covered. The frying pan is halfway covered. And the pan is open. That was when they spat on him. That was when they slapped him. Now, when, when you say, you see, yesterday I spoke about how a thousand soldiers spat on him. Praise the Lord. Understand that the torture started in the morning. And he finally landed because the torture, the Jojo didn't come. Omu Jojo no. Okay, it has come. They were heckling him. Right? That's what they were doing to him. So they were heckling him. They were pushing him here and there and there. So we saw that the suffering started from the morning. And this one will spit on him. This they took him before the surrounding they spoke. They said, Crucify him, crucify him. What he that was all part of the agony he went through, the sufferings he went through. And that one everyone saw it. And the the they beat him till he became like flesh. He didn't become like a human being. He was not human. Now, this is what proves to me that truly Jesus was in his 30s. Because he still he had so much muscles, his organs were still protected. Praise the Lord. So on the cross, when he was there, they didn't have to break his legs for him to die. Why? Because they needed only to pierce his side. And that one today must do it because he has a revelation. I shared it last year. Go and listen to last year's tape. Praise the Lord. Now, all these things happened and then finally they put him on the cross. And then people started pointing their hands and laughing. Didn't you say you are the son of God? Bring yourself down, let's see. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you seen that? So this kind of suffering was, was done to him six hours. The whole of Jerusalem, they were looking, watching, and he was suffering. He suffered openly. He suffered, this suffering, everyone saw it, and this suffering was by spitting, by striking him in the face and everything. Remember, there was even one time they were joking. This one was slapping. When he tells you, say, tell us, you say you are the son of God. Who slapped you? Remember? Ish. The problem is that you have to share with Jesus heaven again. Oh! Oh! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! So on the cross, God, angels, and the whole world witnessed him on the cross. Why? Because it's an open suffering. It's not something that was hidden. God was on, was in heaven on his throne, observing himself on the cross. The angels who bowed down to him were looking at him being killed on the cross. The Holy Spirit that dwelt in him observed. And you and I observed. Satan and the demons they were all there observing. Matthew 27, 45-46 we read it. It's okay. Eli, Eli, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? That's why it is. So we know, right? That is it. Now let's go into another, the other kind of suffering which we saw. Wow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The frying pan. The frying pan. Now let's look at the frying pan. The frying pan has a beautiful thing here. Look at what it is. The frying pan was a kind of suffering. It was a deep boil. Deep, deep boil. 
So understand, if I want to bring it in layman's term today, the first oven was a bread because it was baked. The second one was a pancake or a crepe. Right? But this one is a donut. What's a revelation, you know? Only a mistake, you know? And we can say the third one is a loaf loaf. Both fruit and cocoa. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, no, it's not cocoa. It's flour, please. It's not cocoa. It's, it's both fruit or do not. Praise the Lord. Are you learning something tonight? I hope you are not uh, focusing on the jokes and forgetting the, the main issue. Praise the Lord. So the frying pan is a deep fryer. And that's where you put the whole dough or the whole flour into it. Now look at something. This one talks about... It is covered halfway. And I said, this is what happened when the disciples saw it. They saw it. And where do we find this? When he was with his disciples, what did they do? Remember one time, the people came against him to kill him. And he hid himself. Like for example, Jesus will ask, who do people say I am? No, mention that Peter said you are the son of God. Look, sometimes the thing hurts him, and he, the people don't know that what they are doing is hurting him. It's only the disciples who knows that our master is going through pain. Praise the Lord. Another time where we can talk about this frying pan kind of suffering is when the people came and he fed them. And then they came again the following day and he started teaching them, I am the bread of life. They said, Pia, will you give us bread to eat? Are you a human being? You are bread. No, we won't eat. Then he said, I know why you came today. You didn't come because of the message I carry. You, come, you came because yesterday I fed 5,000 people. <laughs> Have you seen the pain that he goes through? So that pain, it's only the disciples who know that our master, even though he has a good heart, some of these things, when he does them to the people, for the people, they come back to him with pain that the people don't appreciate the true meaning of the miracles he does. Praise the Lord. So, these are the three levels of suffering that Jesus Christ went through so that you and I should not go through. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ was honoring the Father with his very life. Now, did you notice that all these three sufferings that I mentioned, they did not lead to death? <coughs> Praise the Lord. The plan why it did not lead to death, don't forget, it was from, 12, from 6 a.m. to 12 afternoon. Jesus died himself. Nobody killed him. It took the father to kill Jesus. When he said, when I say it took the father to kill Jesus, do you, do you understand? No, you don't. No, I didn't get a response. Understand. God said, when I say God understand, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus said, who do you say I am? In fact, okay, let, let me not go to that scenario. Let me use this one. He says that the disciples said to Jesus, show us the father. You remember? And he said, have I been with you long and you don't know who the father is? What does that mean? He's the father. So the day he said on the cross, he said, finished. Who said finished? Do you understand? So who killed Jesus? Thank you. So the father killed him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do you understand? So Jesus killed himself. He, he dismissed his ghost. Ah, That's what the scripture said. Praise the Lord. Now listen carefully. All these three kinds of sacrifices did not lead to death. He was still alive. That's why I said it was the suffering of his souls. And it was supposed to help you. 
you see god does not do anything keke he does not write the scriptures keke he doesn't just say anything because he feels like saying it listen if something worries your mind and you don't present it to god it will continue and it will worry you without you knowing that provisions were made for you to be liberated in your mind i mean can it say bibi how he suffered in his soul he suffered in his mind for you so that you can be free in your mind hallelujah praise the lord do you understand what is happening so listen before the whole public saw the crucifixion of the pan in the open of christ or the crucifixion of christ god had already taken jesus through the oven and the frying pan which means that God will deliver us from pain in the secret, in our families, and in the public places. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then we move to Leviticus chapter 2 verse 11. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 2 verse 11. We are still talking about the grain offering. Praise the Lord. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with living. He comes back to speak about living again. For ye shall burn no living, nor honey. Now, he says, don't add yeast, right? And don't add honey to your bread. In any offering of the Lord made by fire. Why? Because when you burn honey, it becomes poison. It becomes bitter. For those of you who say the honey is original. <laughs> Alright, that's it, by the way. Let me, let me stay focused, please. Why do you bring things to my, my lips, please? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Like I said, so the yeast, which is the living, talks about fakery, talks about hypocrisy, two, two-faced life. The Lord doesn't like that. And he said, don't, ha- don't add honey. What is the symbol of honey? The symbol, honey represents natural life. Honey represents what? Now look at something. Why do I say honey represents natural life? Because it, it comes from bees. And honey is a kind as a kind of silicon. It doesn't rot. Do you know that? It doesn't get rotten. It's just there. So it's a life. So as much as it is life, two things. It represents the life of man. At the same time, it represents the life of God. And I come to where it represents the life of God. But now let's talk about it as the life of man. So when Jesus was going to present himself, his soul, through all these offerings on fire, the Lord told the women, don't add living at the same time don't add honey why don't you add honey to it because honey is a type of good that men do when you're something worrying your brain worrying your mind and you want god to help you don't go and tell god how he should do it your brain is not wired strong enough as compared to god god's brain to solve the problem you're going through when you go to god talking to god present the issue to him and tell him, handle it on your own. I am following. Praise the Lord. Are you learning something? Do you see what is happening tonight? Now look at another thing. It also talks about the desires of a man. So he said, when you are coming to God, and you are presenting issues to, to him, tell him, Lord, I know I have a desire, but beat my desire. Make it better. This is what is going to happen, but help me. Let me know how you are going to show me the way to go. Do it for me. Remember the scripture that says that in all thy ways acknowledge and he will do what? Direct 
lot of people don't do that. Why? Because they are full of their own life. Honey. Honey. Praise Jesus. Talking about honey, something comes to me. Now, I've spoken about the human life. Let's talk about the, the, the life of God. Now, look at something. Let's go to Judges chapter 14, verse 19. This one, the Lord, I was studying scripture this afternoon. The Lord opened my eyes. So it was not part of original, but the Lord brought it to me this afternoon. Now, look at something. Judges chapter 14, verse 9. Look at something. Judges 14, verse 9. Judges 14, 9. And he took the off in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat but he told not them that, the, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. How many of you remember this story? Samson, you remember? He went to go and marry. They went to marry, fight her. They took his wife away from him. Whilst he was going, in fact, to go and marry, a young lion appeared to him and he slew the lion. Then he went to marry. When he was coming back, there was honey formed in the carcass of the lion. What did he do? Whilst his parents were, didn't know, he took some of the honey and he ate it and he gave it to them. Do you know the picture there? It's a picture of the sufferings of Christ and what he produced for us. Yes. Yes. So, the word or the name Samson means the rising of the sun or sunlight. So, Samson, if he's, it means that he's a representation of God. Now, he was going to marry. Marry who? You and I. And he was encountered with who? The lion. Who was the lion? The lion of the tribe of Judah, not the devil. Why? I said God killed God for you. So when God killed God, which is the lion, and he went, came back, in that lion, a new life has come up, which is the life of God, which is the honey. You get it? So when he, when he took the honey, then he ate it. Now when he finished eating it, then he gave it to his mother and father. What does he mean? The life in the lion of the tribe of Judah does not belong to the, the brightness of the sun alone. He shares the life with us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But more so, there's another thing. So when he went, he gave a parable. He said something. He said that there is a parable he wants to share. If they are able to tell him the meaning. <laughs> you remember that story? Some people don't remember because they don't read the Bible. I don't give the whole story. Go and read. It's very interesting. Then he gave a riddle that out of the eater came honey. Who understands? <laughs> Did you understand? <laughs> he kept on killing them and killing them and killing them. I'll tell you. I'll leave it there. What is the picture? What is the picture? Whereas in his death, the enemy thought that it was the end of the line of the tribe of Judah. In his death, another life came out. And this life I'm talking about, notice, if the lion had not died, there would be no life coming out of him. It is necessary that ashes be preserved. If not, you will not have righteousness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, you see, all these pictures that we are seeing here, because it's a picture of Christ, we see that the light of God's goodness has come to us. Now, all this Jesus did. He did for the believer. So, 
so that the believer can enjoy God as he's supposed to enjoy him. And look at something. I want to read something, a quote by a certain preacher. He didn't add his name, so I cannot add his name. But I got this quote from a certain preacher. And he agrees with me, so I'm reading it. Praise the Lord. Please listen carefully. Often, we are told to imitate the fine humility, humility that Christ displayed. His compassion, his compassionate nature, his strength, his love, and righteousness. But basically, to be fine flower, however, cannot be our ultimate reality because we cannot produce the sort of living that Christ produced. The man of heaven was born and filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit to live out his earthly life as a meal offering. We too need to be born, filled, and anointed by the Holy Spirit to live this kind of life. Look at something carefully. When the offering was presented, first it was presented as flour, right? Fine flour. Second, it was presented as bread, ted, crepe, or pancake, and then as donut. All those things were already prepared before they brought it. How can you live the righteous life Christ lived? God does not expect you to do it. He expects you to take what Jesus has done and enjoy it. Don't go setting aside the work of Christ to establish your own. It is not right before God. Praise the Lord. Are you learning something tonight? Are you learning? So now we move from there and we see that the thing that made Jesus I think I can go into this one quickly. Look at something. There's another thing that I can bring out here. Look at something. Leviticus chapter 2. No, the same 2. No, Let's do verse. Let me see verse. 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 Thank you. Let's do verse 4 to verse 7. Let me show you some beautiful truths there. So that we can continue. Before I can wrap up. Praise the Lord. Wow. I like that. And if thy oblation be of meat offering, baking in frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with what? Isn't it amazing? He said, when you are doing this thing and you, you are bringing it to him. Now, this is the last one. It's a frying pan. So, it's a donut. He said, you shall make it in oil. Wasn't Jesus anointed with oil? What it means is this. The Bible says that to his son or to the one he has called, he giveth not the anointing by measure. He pours it on him. That's why it's a deep, it's a deep fryer. So, he was dipped into the oil. For who? Jesus was never ever anointed for himself. It was not for himself. Don't ever forget this statement. Jesus was not powerful for himself. Oh, oh, are you listening to me? Say, Jesus was never powerful for himself. 
his power was towards me and for me. So you see, the whole dough was dipped in the oil and fried in the oil. Take me to verse. Let's start from verse 4 so I can go systematically. And if thou bring an oblation of meat offering baked in an oven, it shall be unleavened, unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with what? Now look at something. He said he's the bread of life. It is the, it is the Holy Spirit himself who gave life to Jesus. So in this case, what it means is that the oil is inside of him. So because you, you don't add water to the flour, you pour only oil. What does it mean? It means that it is the spirit that gave birth to Jesus. Luke chapter chapter 1 verse 35 to 37. Don't put it there. I'm just quoting. Maybe somebody wants to write. Praise the Lord. Give me the next verse. And if thy oblation be a meat offering baked in a pan, you understand? What did he say? He said, it shall be of fine flour mingled with what? Oil. So at the same time, he's, look, look at the things that happen. Number one, Jesus, the formulation of Jesus himself was with oil. The very Holy Spirit. And when he was done, the whole donut was put in oil. So he was anointed on top. Praise the Lord. And all these things that Jesus was, it's not for himself. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. Have you seen the perfect righteousness? Have you seen the perfect righteousness? Now take me to verse 13 of Leviticus chapter 13. Sorry, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. Leviticus 2, 13. So the same. Uh -huh. And every oblation of meat offering shall be seasoned. By the way, anytime you see meat, he's talking about grain, okay? Shall be seasoned with what? Salt. Neither shall, neither shall thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. Hey. So this Jesus who gave himself, he did not do it outside of salt. Salt was part. What is salt? He said, ye are the salt of the earth. Will he tell you that you are the salt of the earth and you will not first be the salt of the earth? He said, if you lose your saltiness, wherewith shall you be salted? Praise the Lord. Are you listening? What does salt represent? Salt represents eternal life. Praise the Lord. It talks about divine preservation. Salt also talks about durability. Another thing that you cannot forget is that salt talks about healing. Say healing. So, the Lord deliberately put salt in there. Why? Because whilst he was walking on the earth, he was well so that you'll be well. He was preserved so that you'll be preserved. Did you ever read, and the baby Jesus waxed weak because he got malaria? The opposite, actually. He waxed strong and grew in stature and had favor before God and man. Why? Because that is the life God gave me. Please listen to me. If you don't know the work of Jesus Christ in your life, you are as weak as the devil himself. If you miss tomorrow, you don't like your destiny. Because tomorrow we are going to see an inheritance of the righteous. Yes. I say if you miss tomorrow, um pewodachi. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There is one thing I like to end with. In the medieval age, 
when the Roman Empire was ruling the world, it is a law that you cannot beat a prince, no matter his age. So if a prince does something, you cannot beat the prince. But they also needed to teach the prince to do right and know what is right. So the prince, they came up with a strategy to teach the prince discipline and how to live his life. So if there was a prince in your class, Nase Sebi do your homework, you won't do it. You cannot beat a prince. It's not gonna hear that it's not the, it's not that kind of one it, those days if you beat a prince you are dead you are good for dead so this is what this this is what the strategy is they came up with a strategy called the whipping boy the whipping boy so in the room paul wrote about it but i'm not going to go because i walk across now this whipping boy this is what it is Everywhere the prince is going, he goes with a slave. So when the prince is sitting in class, the slave boy is sitting in class with him. Teacher say, anyone who gets wrong, you'll be caned. So because they cannot cane the prince, two plus two, six, waiting. Instead of caning the prince, they cane the waiting boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> So instead of killing the, the prince, they killed who? The whipping boy. And the whipping boy went everywhere. And listen, when he did wrong, for example, he went to steal and the lashes is 40. They call the prince and say, you see, anytime you do wrong, this is what happens to you. And then they turn the boy and they detain him 40. Because he's royalty, you cannot kill him. Then it came to you and I, and the story changed. Royalty came down from heaven. And instead of us, the slaves, being whipped for our sins, royalty took our place and received the kings for us on the cross so that you and I can be free. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Things that we spoke about, he said, Whatever you do, never forget not to add salt. Why? I told you that salt talks about divine preservation, it talks about the endurance. Anytime you sprinkle salt or something, the thing lasts. It also talks about healing. When something, when there's a wound and you want to heal it, you put salt on it, then it heals. What did Jesus do in his suffering before his death? agony through fasting 40 days 40 nights was led by the holy spirit to be tempted he he also in the garden gethsemane cried prayed and cried and the sweat came as blood not only that he suffered before his disciples his disciples were, were worried for him not only that and then finally we humiliated him on the street i say we you were there you were in, that man who spat on your your father, in your father, in your father's father, my father's father. What, all those things happened to him. And then when he finished, he said, don't forget to add salt. All these things happened so that I will preserve them. So that I will give them endurance, durability. So that I will bring them healing. Do you understand? 
So today, I came to present to you the benefits of his sufferings. The sufferings of his soul. Don't go through pain on your own when Jesus has already gone through them for you. Don't carry the burden of walking alone as though the whole world is against you when you have a savior who can fight and say something for you. Don't add living. Don't add yeast. If you like red lipstick, put it on and come to him. Don't hide. If, if Listen, I'm telling you the truth. I'm t- the Lord will save people in their lowest state rather than save people who magnify themselves before him. Don't be in the church and be two-faced. Let the real you be seen. Present yourself to God the way you are. And no matter what, God will deliver you, help you, and sustain you. The Lord bless you.